Hi, this is Theo, and you're listening to Between Two Trains, a bi-monthly business podcast where we interview the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the North DeKalb area. Today, your co-hosts are Van Pappas of Oxygen Financial and Jason Wheelock of Wheelock Realty. And now, Between Two Trains. Okay, welcome to Between Two Trains, a podcast in Chambly, Georgia, where we interview the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the North DeKalb area. We are in the plush studios of the Chambly Chamber of Commerce in downtown Chambly. If you have not come to Chambly recently, you need to. There's a lot of great stuff going on. As always, my co-host Jason Wheelock is with me, and we've got a great guest. The CEO of Translation Station is going to be with us. And uh, Jason, so how are you today? I'm good, man. I had a uh, really great month of May. It's been a couple weeks. Real since estate I've is seen hot, you. huh? Real estate's hot, and had a cool trip to uh, South America. Hiked Machu Picchu. You did two weeks ago. I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't tell you everything. All right. And um, and then I had a bad cold over Memorial Day. So, um, but I'm refreshed, ready for a good podcast. Great. Well, as always, we start off our show by uh, doing a little entrepreneur talk. And uh, this week, we are going to talk about women entrepreneurs in Chambly. And Jason, I want to change it up a little. Um, our guest, Lindsay Cambrinella is uh, a woman entrepreneur, so I'm going to invite her to come into this segment and talk about women entrepreneur. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. So, um, you know, I've noticed over the years of being in Chambly, having started the Chambly Chamber of Commerce, that we have a lot of women who own businesses right here in Chambly, and I recently went to City Hall to find out if they had any statistics on the number of people businesses. We have close to 2,000 businesses in Chambly. How many were owned or run by women? Unfortunately, they do not ask the gender question on the business application, so they did not have that data for me. Hmm. But, uh, Lindsay, you have uh, started a group here um, uh, called, I believe, The Village. That's right. And uh, this is a group of women entrepreneurs in the area, correct? Yeah, we, we say women um, business owners and leaders. Okay. Um, so it's not all owners, but those who might function like an owner also. Sure, sure. So how, how, what caused you to start this? I mean, why, you know, did you see something in the marketplace? Because I've noticed uh, from our guests coming on Between Two Trains, we seem to have a lot of women owners coming on to the show. And so was there something you saw in the area or is this just something you said, hey, I'd, I'd like to check out? Sure. So um, my background is actually as an attorney, and about a year and a half ago, I made the decision to transition from law into business. Um, and at the time, I was living here in Chambly, and I wanted to surround myself with other uh, women that uh, were in the same situation, either had started a business or were planning to start a business, um, just where we could bounce ideas off and um, have a, a, a shared sense of uh, interest because I don't have friends who um, are business owners and so I needed to look outside of my own personal circle to find that and I didn't really want to be going downtown Atlanta or Midtown to find that so I um, I actually posted on nextdoor.com and I said does anyone know of a, a group for women like this in the area and no um, 
everyone's comments. I think I got 50 or 60 comments, and they all said, uh, no, I don't, but I'm interested if you start one. So I kind of, uh, from there, just said, I guess I got to do this, and that's how it started. That was um, last April, I believe, 2017. So it's been going on a year now, and you're up to how many? Um, I, somewhere in the neighborhood of 85. Okay. Um, wow. Members. That's incredible. 85 women leaders or business owners and now, is it strictly just for Chambly, or do they come outside of the Chambly area? Is it, so our podcast is obviously for North DeKalb. What's, what's the group? Sure. We say um, Chambly, Brookhaven, and nearby. So we've got some from Dunwoody, some from uh, Dorville, and a few perhaps who are outside those boundaries. But we haven't uh, limited it in any um, significant way. What was the inspiration that brought you from law to going into business? It's a big transition, right? Yeah, it is a big transition. Um, I worked at two small firms during my five years as a lawyer and um, began to be interested in the business side of of owning a small practice. Um, And also my husband and his family, they're all entrepreneurs. And so we did a lot of reading about business and talking about it and brainstorming ideas. You know, my favorite hobby is probably talking about business (laughs) and um so i just began to get frustrated with the business side of owning a law firm and i thought i thought that there were more opportunities in other service industries or even a a product uh, industry and so um i decided to take my legal experience and training uh with me uh along into the business world and um, I'm so grateful for the legal training, but I'm also glad to be out of <laughs> uh, the practice of law. Now, as I said a, a second ago, I went to the city hall and, and asked them what data they had, and they didn't seem to have that. Uh, you know, um, do you feel like this is something we as a community need to uh, get our government around promoting you know, these business leaders who are women, you know, there was, as you know, you were, Jason, you may not know this, uh, Lindsay was recently quoted in a Huffington Post article uh, talking about this subject, correct? Is that right? That's right. So it turns out that Chambly is one of like six or seven municipalities in the entire country where women actually make more money than men. Yes, um, that was an interesting statistic for sure. And um, it was an interesting project to be involved with, and I think the data is um, complicated at at, the, at best. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the diversity of the community, um, so it's not um, as clear-cut, I don't think, as you know, women here are making more than men. I think it's a complicated figure, but um, I did appreciate that it drew attention to women business owners and leaders in our community, and do think that it's important for a community to support its women, Mm -hmm. all of its business owners, of course. But, um, you know, we are operating at a a disadvantage, um, one that has a long history. And, um, you know, one thing just popped in my head, which is I can't tell you how many times during my time as a lawyer that I was mistaken for the receptionist. And these are things that are – I don't think people mean to – have a negative view it's just ingrained in us from many many uh, centuries of um, history and we're just working to to move past that and to move past some of those stereotypes and really um, support each other which is where the village comes from 
I thought this was really interesting, Van. You mentioned this before the show briefly. It caught me off guard that there would be only six municipalities in the United States that meet that. And coming from real estate, um, it's sometimes easy to forget that something like that's possible because there's so many successful women in real estate. If you go into most real estate offices in 2018, there's probably more women that are producing at a high level in my industry. So it really took me off guard. And I was wondering if possibly it's attributed to the fact that Chambly is a progressive environment, but it also is kind of suburban. And many suburbs are very traditional. You go out to East Cobb, Alpharetta, maybe um, uh, nothing against those locations, but more traditional roles potentially with families. So more women that our entrepreneurs are drawn potentially to this environment? Do you think that's a fair assessment? I think that's probably a factor, um, along with the um, differences in the community as far as diversity goes and the different numbers that those populations yeah. are going to bring in. But yeah, I do think this community pulls in a different type of person. Um, well, you know, as a financial planner, I agree with you. Numbers, you know, it's easy to make them say what you want. Exactly. But but um, I believe that part of what is driving that number for Shambly, and, and the diversity might come into play, I don't know. Um, but, you know, knowing a lot of these business owners here in the community that are women, um, I've gotten to know how they run their business and why they started their business here. A lot of them live here, so it's mm-hmm. very convenient. They don't want to have to drive somewhere else, especially if they're, they're mothers and are trying to juggle both being a mother and run a business. But I also think up until recently, Chambly was still a very affordable place to start a business. And that's why I asked you about um, the government and what they could do to help uh, our women entrepreneurs. Because what scares me is that as we grow and develop, and I'm all for that growth and development. I love it. I welcome it. Um, But, you know, we could find ourselves in a situation where some of these small, for lack of a better word, mom and pop type businesses where you just have one you know, one or two people in them are going to have trouble finding space because they're not going to be able to afford, um, you know, the, the mm-hmm. space that, that we have here. So I personally think we should shout to the rooftops that Shambly is number one when it comes to women earning money. Um, Pretty cool stat. It is a great stat. So, well, you've been listening to Between Two Trains. Uh, We are going to take a short commercial break while we hear from our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and talk with our guest about uh, her uh, business as the CEO of Translation Station right after this. If you recently got divorced, you may be wondering how to pick up all of the financial pieces. Is it time to make a new budget, new goals, and get a new game plan with your investments? What about the best way to save money on your taxes? Take control of your money future. Go to OxygenFinancial.net to schedule a complimentary meeting today. Go to OxygenFinancial.net to get started right now. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, an affiliate of Kestra Investment Services. Oxygen is not affiliated with Kestra. Okay, welcome back to Between Two Trains. We are in the Shambly Chamber of Commerce offices, and uh, we are talking today with Lindsay Cambardella. Did I pronounce that right, Lindsay? Yes, you did. Okay. I always wonder if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, Lindsay is the CEO of uh, Translation Station, which is right here in downtown Chambly. Lindsay, tell us a little bit about Translation Station. What exactly does Translation Station do? 
Yeah, we are a full service language uh, company. And so the meat and potatoes of our business is providing on-site interpreting. So we have um, independent contractor interpreters who go on the site to interpret, whether it's a medical appointment, um, a legal setting, whether it's a court hearing or a deposition of some sort. Um, we have a lot of interpreters going to school settings, mostly parent-teacher conferences. Um, and then any kind of meeting you could imagine, we've got interpreters going to those. Um, we also do written document translation, um, as well as over the phone interpreting. And really, there's a lot um, more options available, conference interpreting, things like that. But um, those are really the, the big ones that we're doing. I could have used you in Peru a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to take a, a, a guide or anything when you were going up the mountain? My Spanish is broken into words and phrases, and then when they start speaking fast, I just put my hands okay. up. As long as you know cerveza, right? <laughs> cerveza, yeah. Por favor. Um, all right, so, Lindsay, uh, you didn't obviously start this business. It was started in 1998, That's correct, right. yep. um, uh, by Phyllis Stallman. So tell us a little bit about Phyllis. Uh, she is still involved with the company, or she has stepped away? What's, what's Phyllis's story? So Phyllis, as you said, started it in 1998, and it was several years after losing her husband. Um, she had a young son, and uh, her department was downsized at her company. Uh, so she was now without a job and needed to make a decision about her financial future. And she had a few business ideas, uh, one of which, of course, was the interpretation company. And, um, and she went with it. And she very um, courageously just got out there, started it in her basement. Um, and over the last 20 years has grown it every year um, since then, and including uh, growing, excuse me, outgrowing her basement to a, an a office in Dorville, and then outgrowing that and coming to Shambly a few years ago. Um, when I met Phyllis about a year ago, she was um, beginning to really think seriously about retirement. Um, hopefully she doesn't get mad at me for saying this, but she just turned 75. Um, and, you know, it was time to kind of pull back is how she was feeling. So, she um she hired me so that she could and at this point uh we're in the transition she's pulling out um kind of slowly making that uh, an easy process for me and and for her i think that's always a tough thing you know I've, i went through that myself in my financial planning practice when you have someone who has built this business up and, and it's almost like a child to them and so you're saying it's been pretty good. She she's welcomed the the transition and you know the desire to, to leave because a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs you know they want to hang on. Yes, um, she calls the business her baby, so yes. it's definitely that relationship you're talking about. And I have to say she has done a really incredible job of giving me freedom to. Um, steer the ship, if you will, um, while at the same time providing me with enough guidance along the way to really um, do a good job. And I, I've got to give her lots and lots of credit. She's done a terrific job, I think. Excellent. Now, you know, going back to what you said the company does and whatnot, it sounds like a lot of it um, revolves around legal stuff. Is that is that like the majority of the work that y'all do is translating for legal situations? I'd say we're fairly equal thirds between legal settings, medical settings, and school settings. Um, 
And so who would, who would your primary customer be? Would it be an individual who needs, or is it going to be more of a company or, say, a municipality that says, hey, we need an interpreter or whatnot? Who, sure. Who's the actual customer? Right. So all um, medical, legal, and school providers are federally obligated to provide interpreters when they have a client who needs them. So our clients are typically the either school, you know, county school system, county court system, or a health insurance company or hospital. Those are who our clients are. So the individuals um, are not coming to us. They're seeking out the assistance from, the say, the hospital, and then the hospital will reach out and schedule the interpreter. I'm guessing Spanish is by far the dominant language y'all provide. What are, you know, outside of that, what are sort of the obvious languages beyond that are Sure. Um, so you're right. <laughs> Spanish is definitely the big one. Although I'll say that a lot of um, these s- systems, whether it's a healthcare system or otherwise, are now hiring on staff Spanish. Uh, so we've seen our Spanish requests go down slightly, but purely because they're hiring full-time um, Spanish interpreters. So that's been an interesting shift. But um, Korean, Mandarin, um, Arabic, Mm-hmm. Vietnamese, and it really depends on where you are. You know, our biggest client we do work for in ten states, and so it depends on which state you're in, what what languages are going to be the predominant outside of Spanish. And as a business owner, you always have to um, Van. You always have to think ahead, right? The markets can change, needs can change. Is there um, ever a concern that immigration may slow or second and third generations become fluent, eliminate need for translations? Well, We've I, had those ebbs and flows. I can see that, but I'm thinking more so technology might affect your business. Or techno- that's a great How point. How does technology affect your business? Yeah, that's actually where I mean, I can I on go. my Google app now? <laughs> uh, isn't there a Google Translator app? So technology is definitely the bigger fear for us in this mm-hmm. industry. And Yes, there are apps. However, they are very far at this point from creating accurate interpretations or translations. Well, um, I would think you'd be, need to be very careful, especially with legal documents and mm-hmm. legal stuff that it, uh, you know, is not translating it and saying something that's going to really put someone in a bind. Exactly. So both in the legal and for the same reasons in a medical scenario where you might be talking life or death, you know, the accuracy of the interpretation is incredibly important, and so. While we are seeing great strides in the technologies, I think it's going to be a fair amount of time, you know, exactly what what that timeline looks like. Nobody knows, but every industry conference we go to, it is definitely um, consuming most of the conversation because it's going to affect us significantly. And if we're not prepared for those changes and how to adapt with it, um, you know, you could see Mm -hmm. our current model being obsolete fairly soon. Sure. Well, you've been listening to Between Two Trains. We have Lindsay Cambronella uh, with the Translation Station. Now, Lindsay, you started off as a lawyer. I think Jason alluded to this in the first section, and you made some comments about, uh, you know, your desire to make that that change. Um, you know, talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, making a change like that and saying, I'm going to go into the business world. You know, um, you know what what. What kind of uh, stuff did you feel that you needed to learn to get to that point? You know, obviously, I, I went to business school. You know, I got a degree in business specifically to run my business. W- what caused you to sort of make that jump and say, hey, you know, I, what do I got to learn now? You know, I got all this legal knowledge, but what about the rest? Yeah, and 
and there's a lot to learn. And I think um, the biggest thing is um, being aware of what you don't know and being willing to rely on those around you. But I think my, personally, my biggest struggle was not that there was a you know, financial or organizational or HR thing that I was afraid of not knowing how to do. For me, it was a more of a confidence thing in being willing to take that leap. Um, that was the bigger hurdle for me. I'm kind of an expert at this point, I feel like, in researching and analyzing and making sure that I'm prepared for something. So that uh, personally was the bigger fear. And um, I must confess, I, when called an entrepreneur, I feel a little bit like a fraud because I uh, never actually started the business that I intended to because I ended up joining uh, Phyllis's company. So, um, you know, I'm not sure that I can take the credit for taking the leap. <laughs> uh, that, that well, trust, trust me, I've helped and uh, worked with a lot of business owners through my financial planning practice. And if you are the CEO of the company, you can take credit for <laughs> being an entrepreneur. Yes, Phyllis started this business, but now the reins are in your hands. And what you do with them from there is uh, going to be up to you. I, I just think it's such a cool and unique business model. And um you know, we've, we've just had some interesting people on this show. And going back to what you just said, um, the founder of McDonald's, quote unquote, didn't found McDonald's, you know, you he took McDonald's it. and made it what it is. Right. So I think you entrepreneurial spirit is uh, it's a mindset, right? Taking yeah. something and making it better. Yeah. So all the credit to you. Well, well and the cr and and. Please, uh, hopefully, Phyllis will be listening to this and yeah. we'll hear, you know, we, we applaud uh, any of our women entrepreneurs. She obviously is one of them. Um, and uh, we've seen so many right here on Between Two Trains. And uh, we've got actually a great lineup. You know, we've got uh, some other women entrepreneurs coming on the show uh, later this year that are going to blow, really you, blow you away. So stay tuned for those. But I'd like to go ahead and move into our hot or not section. Uh, Lindsay, if you have ever heard our show, what we do is like to play this game called Hot or Not, where we will throw out a statement or a word to you, and we want to know your opinion on whether that's a hot thing or not such a hot thing. Uh, I'm ready. All right. So, Van, you kick it off. I, all right. I'm a little bashful. All right. So, you are now, um, what, about six, seven months into this new endeavor as CEO, right? Yes. How long has it been now? November of 2017. So. Okay. So, about seven, eight yeah. months now. So, you, and uh, Translation Station has employees, you know. So, the question comes up from time to time with CEOs and business owners about bonuses for employees. So, Hot or not, giving employees bonuses. Hot. I hot. Think, yes, I'd say hot. It's um, it's something that Phyllis actually implemented um, a long time ago. So there are annual bonuses that are given each year, and um, it's a real morale booster. I think the employees really like it, and um, there's a lot of longevity at the company. And I think that things like that, not just the bonuses, but things like that, um, play a big role in that. Let's let's go a step B on on that hot or not. So are these incentive based bonuses or does she just give a bonus across the board to all the employees? It goes to all the employees, but it is tied to profit. So the the more profitable the company is, the bigger the bonus mm -hmm. is for all the employees. Yeah, that's a hot thing to me too. I, I like uh, profit sharing bonuses more so than just uh, straight. We across love the that board. at Keller Williams. Yeah. Keller yeah. Williams gives profit sharing. Profit bonus? sharing is a huge 
story that could tell could tell about the company that is one of the reasons that it's 150,000 agents yeah. worldwide is because they're the only real estate company that ties profit sharing in. So I'm all about bonuses. Yeah. My wife and son love the their uh, profit sharing bonuses. <laughs> As a solo <laughs> practitioner, they get it all. Um, okay, so back to hot or not, Jason, where we are? I think Amazon's the hot topic, right? And I don't know. A lot of people have given me some mixed emotions on Amazon. So you're talking about Amazon coming just in to general, Atlanta. If coming it comes to Atlanta, to, okay. Yeah. So hot or not? I'd have to say hot. You know, I'm an Atlanta native, and um, I spent a lot of years just kind of thinking I'm here because my family's here. It's only been in the last five or so years that mm-hmm. I've really been proud to be here and glad and excited about what's happening in Atlanta and um, all of the growth that we've seen, explosive growth that we've seen, along with a lot of other cities, but Atlanta in particular, um, is really exciting to me, and I like the big city feel. So Amazon Mm. would obviously just ratchet that up a few notches, and uh, it's going to take a lot of smart planning. Um, But as long as we can keep our eye on, on the planning piece of it, too, I think it would be great. We're such a weird city because we lack this really strong feeling of pride historically because everybody's from somewhere and there's always been this feeling of the outside the perimeter against the inside the perimeter and so there's emotions tied to something like Amazon that in a lot of places would be seen as a big I think positive and then we view it uh, as traffic maybe right we have such interesting dynamics here Mm -hmm. yeah I'm not I'm, I'm sort of torn on that subject I definitely do want it to come to Atlanta I'm not so sure I want it to come to Chambly but yeah. uh, I think it would be a, a big boon for the area um, uh, when we already have so many other great industries and businesses, uh, Fortune 500 companies, all based here in Atlanta. Um, another, I want to circle back around. I like Jason's Amazon, but I want to circle back around to employees because as, a, as an entre- entrepreneur myself and helping business owners uh, manage their business, uh, this comes up all the time. We talked about bonuses for employees. What about vacations for employees? Um, so, yeah, we have a staff of 12, just to give you an insight, and probably about 500 independent contractors that actually do the interpreting and translating. But... Um, we have essentially two departments, and uh, as long as their vacations are not overlapping, uh, we are obviously very happy for them to take them. Every employee gets um, annual vacation and uh, some personal days as well, and the vacation increases over time as they're with the company for longer. Um, so definitely, uh, we wish we could give more, but um, you know we are a small business, and we have to balance um, the needs of the business and the needs of the employees. Yeah, that's that's usually what the conversation goes when I'm talking with my business owners is balancing that, you know, how much do you give, how do you give it, you know, making sure, as you said, they don't overlap. You can thank the millennials for longer vacation expectation. One of my buddies, corporate recruiter, says that the expectation 20 years ago was two weeks and now most of their folks, when they get hired, are starting with three weeks vacation. Yeah. So I think that we're becoming a little more European when it comes to vacation expectations. Yeah, you could be. I know when I, got, millennials, when I got my first full-time job in 1988, I got yeah. zero vacation days until I had been with the company for one year. 
So well, that was that was before the iPhone, okay? Oh, like. definitely before the <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> so you know, another hot or not that really I ask every single um, guest that we have on the show, just because I'm so passionate about this, and that is hot or not, Shambly. Oh my gosh, burning hot. Burning hot. I <laughs> love it. Burning hot. I grew up in Dunwoody, um, right down the street from here. And and my first apartment was in Brookhaven. And, you know, this is just an area that feels very home to me, even though I've only lived here for about two years. Um, it's, it's familiar territory. And obviously, it's blowing up. Everyone I talk to about being here, they're like, oh my gosh, I, you know, articles about Shambly every day. And I'm excited to be a part of it and watch it grow. Yeah, yeah, I am too, and and I think it's just going to get better and better. As you probably know, we've got uh, a town center uh, development that is going to be coming down the pike soon, and and when that happens, uh, watch out. So, Jason, any any final hot or nots? Yeah, just taking it all in, Van. Yeah. Just, uh, I'm tired of this rain. We're going to get some nice days here in June coming up. <laughs> Don't be careful because I have a feeling it might get to over 100 degrees uh, before the summer's over. So, well, you've been listening to Between Two Trains, a business podcast where we interview the best and brightest CEOs and entrepreneurs of the North DeKalb area. Today, we've been talking with Lindsay Campanella um, and with Translation Station. And uh, Lindsay, any parting words? Now, if someone wants to uh, come and get involved or need your services, how do you suggest they, they get a hold of you or your, your employees? Sure. Um, so translationstation.com is our website. Um, you can always email me, Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, at translationstation.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, um, LinkedIn, and um, 770-234-9387 good old phone uh, i like that that she's actually been our first guest that actually has given out their phone number <laughs> i don't know why no one else has done that that's excellent so uh jason any parting words for um I, you know i'm interested and i've just been sitting here thinking about how this could integrate into real estate when we deal with folks who have language barriers one of the things we've been talking about is adding an agent who's bilingual to our team, and maybe in the interim, we have definitely had some snafus with folks. Where I have a feeling Lindsay knows a few people. Yeah, so maybe that's where we can chat offline. Yeah, we'd be happy to help. Yeah. There's a few solutions that I can think of right off offhand. Yeah. Thank you. We appreciate you. It's been a great show. Yeah. Thank Th you so much. Thank you, Lindsay, for coming on. Again, you've been listening to Between Two Trains, and stay tuned. Uh, in two weeks, we will have a couple of gentlemen from Piedmont Bank coming on our show. Um, you can hear us on iTunes um, at betweentwotrains.com, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Hey, Jan Levy, Handy Entertainment. Hi, this is Greg Burke with Remote Home Check. Hi, this is Jeff Hill with Remote Home Check, and you've been listening to Between Two Trains.